أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 7 of the first juz of the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah in the previous episode, we spoke about the story of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam and what Allah azawajal mentioned from a number of lessons and principles that we can take and benefit from that story. In verse number 38 at the beginning of page number 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ لَهْمِطُوا مِنْهَا جَمِيعًا We said, get out all of you, referring to Adam alayhi salatu wasalam and therefore by extension his descendants that would have come later that they should all leave Jannah and therefore that they should come upon this earth and this earth therefore becomes as we said in the last episode Darub Tila the, the abode of, of trial and test the abode where we have to try our utmost to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to do good deeds and to earn the pleasure and the mercy and the reward of Allah azza wa jal and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this Clearly in this verse when he says, فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدَىٰ فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَىٰ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ But when guidance comes from me, as it certainly will, meaning at any point in time, so before the time of the Prophet ﷺ, all of the different prophets and messengers of Allah that were sent, and all of the different revelations that they received of divine books, and the general guidance that they brought, that is all from Allah guidance. For whenever guidance comes from you, as it certainly will, and as it did over the times and the ages, and after the Prophet his guidance all the way until the day of judgment, so whosoever follows that guidance, Allah says, from the following the Prophet following the Quran in our time, following his example, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, believing in all that they have been, the, the believers or all that the people have been commanded to believe in by following the commandments of Allah and staying away from His prohibitions. If you do all of that, which is all considered to be guidance, is given that one single term and name of guidance, as we said when we made the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha. That's the guidance that we ask. In each and every single salah, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ O Allah, guide us to the straight path and keep us firm once you have guided us, guided us to that path. Keep us firm and steadfast upon it. Allah says, فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Such people, they will never grieve nor will they fear. They won't fear what is about to come ahead before them, meaning in their next life. Nor will they grieve over that which they left behind in this life of their family and their loved ones and so on. Because Allah is their wali. He is their protector and their helper. And He will protect them and help them with regards to that which they left behind in this world. To look after it and to help those that they have left behind upon iman and upon good deeds. And Allah will not allow His awliya, His close believers to feel or experience any fear as they go into the grave and as they go into the next life. And that is the beauty 
of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore shows to us. That the believers are those people that Allah has given to them safety and security. And also that the believers are those people who are therefore safeguarded by Allah's permission and by His mercy from misguidance and from living a life of wretchedness. But rather they're the people who always hold and find that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as opposed to those people who don't. Because Allah will mention in verse number 39 the opposite of that group, those who don't follow the guidance of Allah. Those who don't accept the message of the prophets and messengers or follow the divine revelation that has come to them from their Lord. Allah says in verse number 39, Allah says, and as for those who disbelieve and deny or reject our messages and our signs, they shall be from the inhabitants of the fire and there they will remain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore shows and makes it very clear that there are only two types of people. Those people who receive guidance and those people who are upon misguidance. Those people who will be happy and have eternal joy and reward and blessings from Allah and those people who are wretched and will have eternal punishment and damnation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the believers, the first group that enjoy Allah's bliss and Allah's reward and Allah's pleasure, those are the people they will have no fear and they will have no grievances or they will not despair. As for the people of disbelief who reject Allah and His messengers and His signs and His revelation, then by definition, they will be people who will always be in a constant state of fear and they will grieve and they will live a life of wretchedness and their punishment in the next life will be a life of wretchedness as well. And that's why therefore, as Allah Azza wa is telling us in these verses, verses 39, 38 and 39, there are only one of two groups that we can be part of. We must make that choice. It's not like there's a multitude of groups to choose from. There are only two groups, believers or disbelievers. The people who will be from the people of paradise or the people who will be from the inhabitants of the fire. In verse number 40 onwards, Allah now moves on to speaking about Bani Israel, the children of Israel. And Allah speaks to them because of the many lessons that we can learn from them and from what they went through and from what they did and the way that they behaved and interacted and and reacted to their prophets and to their messengers. But also because in the Medinan time, as we know, the Prophet ﷺ had in Medina a number of Jewish tribes and there were a number of Christian and, and Jewish Arab tribes that lived within the peninsula. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 40, Ya Bani Israel, adhkuru ni'mati allati an'amtu alaykum. O children of Israel, Israel or Israel is the name or one of the names of the Prophet Ya'qub And Ya'qub as we know is the son of the Prophet Ishaq, the grandson of the Prophet Ibrahim From the names of the Prophet Ya'qub is Israel. Israel means the one who makes a covenant with his Lord or with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it was from the names of Ya'qub alayhi salatu wassalam. Ya'qub as we know had a number of sons and from them you have emerging the tribes of Israel. And so that's why Allah often refers to them as Bani Israel, the tribes or the children of Israel, meaning the tribes that emanated from the children of Ya'qub alayhi salatu wassalam. And as we said, a number of those Jewish tribes lived in and around the city of the Prophet ﷺ in Medina. Allah says, addressing them 
Remember how I blessed you. Udhkuru alaykum. Remember how I blessed you. And Allah Azza blessed them by giving them many, many different types of blessings. From those blessings is the many prophets that were sent to them. From those blessings is the much divine revelation that Allah Azza wa sent down towards them. From those blessings is the way that Allah Azza wa aided them and helped them through their messengers and their prophets. Remember them. Recall them. Thank Allah Azza wa for them. Praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those blessings. وَأَوْفُوا بِعَهْدِي أُوفِي بِعَهْدِكُمْ And Allah Azza wa says, Honor. Your pledge to me, I will honor my pledge to you. What is the pledge that they have with Allah Azza wa Jal? It is the pledge, as we mentioned before in the hadith of Mu'ad radiallahu an, the pledge that all of us have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we believe in him, that we believe in his prophets and messengers, that we believe in the divine revelation that came from him subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the, the pact that Allah Azza wa Jal has given to each and every single one of us. Believe in Allah, don't commit shirk. Believe in his prophets and messengers, Believe in the revelations that you were given. Take the commandments of Allah, stay away from his prohibitions. Allah says, if you do so, I will honor my pledge to you. What is the pledge of Allah? That pledge is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you then. That Allah won't punish you. That if you do as Allah commands, you will have what Allah Azza wa has promised you in terms of your reward, and Allah Azza wa will keep you away from His wrath and His punishment, Subhanahu wa Taala. And Allah says, "And I am alone, the one that you should fear." And that is because when you fear Allah Azza wa that is the first thing that should come to your mind when when you have those choices. Some of them you know are wrong or haram. Some of them are temptations and desires that will lead you away from Allah Azza wa You know that you have those choices and that choice to make whether to obey Allah or to disobey Allah, whether to do a good deed or a bad deed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِيَّايَ فَرْهَبُونَ If you truly fear Allah alone and you are cognizant of that fact before you make that choice, then you will always choose the path that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the sign of strong iman. And so the way of the believer is that they're constantly conscious of Allah Azza wa Jal, constantly mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why our religion is based on so many acts of worship. From the moment that you wake up, you remember Allah. And your whole day is one of prayer and recitation of Quran and making dhikr and making dua and doing other good deeds by helping your family and, and obeying your parents and being good to those around you and so on. It is one deed after another deed after another deed. What are all of these deeds doing? They are making you constantly mindful and conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when that moment does come as it must and does each and every single day perhaps, when you are given that opportunity or shaitan comes and tempts you and, and your desires and, and your nafs whispers to you, your soul whispers to you to disobey Allah azza wa jal, you are so mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that inshallah by Allah's permission, it is something which takes you away from sin and takes you away from the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if that's not the case, you don't honor the pledge of Allah azza wa jal, you're not constantly mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not constantly mindful of fearing Allah azza wa jal, that is when people turn to the path of disbelief or the path of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In verse number 41, Allah azza wa jal says, وَآمِنُوا بِمَا أَنزَلْتُ مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ وَلَا تَكُونُوا أَوَّلَ كَافِرٍ بِهِ وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا بِآيَاتِي ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا وَإِيَّا يَفَتَّقُونَ Believe in the message I have sent down, confirming what you already possess. Allah Azza wa says, believe 
in what I have revealed, meaning the Quran that I have given to the Prophet Remember Allah is addressing Bani Israel. Allah is saying to them already that you have a pledge that you agree to. That pledge is that you believe in Allah, all of his prophets and messengers, all of his revelations. That you will fear him and that you will obey him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says now you have a revelation that has come down to you at the hands of this man, meaning the Prophet wasallam, in the revelation of the Quran, And it already confirms that which you know in your revelation. You know in your book that Allah will send another prophet, will send another messenger. You have his description in your book. You're told what he will be like and what he will do and so on. And that is why there were people from amongst the Jews and the Christians and others who accepted Islam based upon the knowledge that they had of that revelation. The Prophet ﷺ, when he first received revelation, as we know, one of the first things that happened is that his wife Khadija radiallahu anha took him to her cousin Warqa ibn Nawfal. And Warqa ibn Nawfal was a man who was learned in the scriptures of the Jews and the Christians, and he recognized that the Prophet ﷺ had received revelation at the hands of Jibreel. From those companions that accepted Islam is the famous companion Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu anhu was from the leaders and the scholars of the Jews of Medina. And he accepted Islam because he recognized that this is exactly what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam brought. This is exactly what they found in their scriptures. We have the example in the story of the famous illustrious companion, Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu, who went on a very long journey as is mentioned in his biography and in his story of conversion to Islam. He went through a long chain of people and a long travel and journey in order to arrive from Persia into Medina. And he was told to seek out this Prophet that would emerge amongst the Arabs. And he found the Prophet ma'akum. You know that it is the truth because it is mentioned in your scriptures. Your prophets and messengers that came before gave glad tidings as Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran that Isa gave the glad tidings of a Prophet that would come. His name would be Ahmed, which is, as we know, one of the names of our Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَكُونُ أَوَّلَ كَافِرٍ بِهِ And do not be the first to disbelieve in it. Not just simply don't disbelieve, don't be the first to disbelieve. The scholars of Tafsir say that that verse gives the hint of someone who hastens to something. To do something and to be the first at doing it shows that the one who is at the first, or the first to do something has more, uh, is more eager is, is, is more passionate in terms of doing what it is that they're trying to do. And so when Allah says, don't be from amongst the first to disbelieve, because through your knowledge, through the scriptures that you have, you should know better than others, and you should have more knowledge that guides you towards accepting the Prophet ﷺ in the Qur'an than others. Don't be from amongst the first to disbelieve. And Allah says, do not sell my messages for a small price. The small price being the pleasures of the dunya because of wealth or because of prestige or because of fame or because of power or because of position or because of family and tribal links or whatever it may be. Don't sell guidance. Don't sell the signs of Allah, the message of Allah, the revelation of Allah for something that is a paltry sum. Allah calls it thamanan qalila because even if you had all of the wealth of the dunya, it is still a small price in comparison to the eternal guidance that will give you eternal reward uh, in the next life by Allah's permission. Allah says, concluding verse number 41, and I should be the one that you are most fearful of or have the most taqwa of. And that is because the one who has taqwa truly in their heart will always seek what is most pleasing to Allah. 
when you have that mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the question that you ask yourself is, what is most pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this situation? What can I do today to increase my good deeds and bring me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that is why Allah Azza wa then says in verse number 42, still speaking to Bani Israel, وَلَا تَلْبِسُوا الْحَقَّ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَتَكْتُمُوا الْحَقَّ وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Do not mix truth with falsehood or hide the truth when you know what it is. Don't mix truth with falsehood by accepting some of the signs of Allah and rejecting other signs. Don't mix truth with falsehood by mentioning and, and, and speaking outwardly and professing that which suits you and works for you and then concealing and hiding other parts that don't work for you. As they would do, as is mentioned in the hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, when some of the Jewish people came to the Prophet and the Prophet said, show, to me, show me in your Torah what Allah says about some of the punishments of some of the sins that people commit. They came and they opened it for him, and the one who was reading placed his hand over a part of the page to conceal the verse that actually mentioned the punishment. And Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu anhu, the companion who used to be one of the Jewish leaders, he said, O Messenger of Allah, tell him to lift his hand and read that part as well. Because that's where that punishment was contained. Don't mix the truth with falsehood or conceal the truth whilst you have knowledge of it. If you know that Allah Azza wa gave us knowledge or gave you knowledge and gave you information that this Prophet would come, that he would bring this revelation, that these would be his signs, that this is what would be the way that he would come sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and then don't conceal that and turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in verse number 43, An instruction to show how you can always stay firm upon guidance and stay firm upon coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, keep up the prayer, pay the zakah, and bow your heads in worship alongside those who bow. This is an amazing, uh, amazing verse. Allah says, establish the prayer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just say, pray. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just say, offer the prayers. He says, establish it. To establish it means to do everything that leads up to the salah. From wudu and facing the qibla and covering yourself and dressing appropriately, everything that establishes the salah of building the masjid and calling the adhan, giving the adhan and so on. Establishing the salah means all of the actions that are outward whilst you're praying and the inner actions whilst you're praying, the words and the adhkar and the recitation of the Quran, all of this is from establishing the salah. Establish, be people who establish the salah and be people who give the zakah. And how often does Allah combine or, or link up these two pillars of Islam? How often are they merged or mentioned one alongside the other to give salah, to pray the salah, and to give zakah? Salah is the action of the body that humbles you, that turns, makes you mindful of Allah, that makes you, forces you. To make your day revolve around the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And zakah is that act of worship that makes you sacrifice that which you covet most and that which you love to hoard and to gather, and that is wealth. And be with those who prostrate. Be with those who make ruku'. Be alongside other believers who also establish the salah. So pray with those who pray. Go and pray in congregation alongside them. Be from amongst those people who are part of the Muslim Ummah and the Muslim community worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in verse number 44, How can you tell people to do what is right and forget to do it yourselves even though you recite the scripture? Have you no sense? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning these people, 
And he says, uh, concluding this verse, do you not think, do you not have aql? Aql means do you not have a, do you not have sense or a brain by which to compute and to understand? And that is because Allah when He speaks about intelligence, intelligence, what it does is it allows a person to see what is beneficial for them and what is harmful towards them. So they can recognize what is good and what is evil, what will harm me and what will benefit me. And so you can take the appropriate action that will bring you benefit and word of harm from you. Allah is saying, but these people, when it comes to their faith and their belief, they don't use the intellect in the way that it's meant to be used, in the way that Allah meant for it to be used. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, how can you command people to do good when you yourselves don't? How can you enjoin the good and forbid the evil when you yourselves do the evil and stay away from the good? How can you claim and tell people that you worship Allah, that you should follow prophets and messengers, that you should follow revelation, as all of these other Abrahamic faiths do, but when it comes to the Prophet in the Quran, you forget yourself. How can you command that which you yourself neglect whilst you have the scripture that tells you very clearly that this is exactly what you should be believing in? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in verse number 45, وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ Seek help with patience and steadfastness and the salah. Though it is hard, meaning the prayer, indeed for anyone but the humble. From the greatest things that allow a person to stay firm upon their religion, in their iman, in their worship of Allah in their righteous deeds, is these two things that Allah has mentioned here. And each one of them requires the other as well. Allah tells us to be patient. Patient because you have to be patient upon the harm that others will, will have towards you when you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to be patient to stay away from that which Allah prohibits. It's not easy to stay away from the haram when society around you is engaged in that haram or the people around you from your family and friends are engaged in that haram. You have to be patient upon the good deeds that you're performing because it is hard and difficult to do so consist- consistently on a regular basis when there are so many other temptations that are trying and seeking to divert you away from that path. You must be patient upon the challenges and the hardships and the trials that you face in that path of coming towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But one of the ways that you can attain that patience is by the salah. And the salah itself is something which needs patience. Turning to Allah in prayer, the place when you are closest to Allah in this life is when you're in the position of sajda and prostration, calling to Allah every day, seeking solace and contentment, making the act of worship of salah not a burden upon you, but something which you enjoy, which is why Allah says that it is difficult except for those people who are humble of heart, whose hearts are subservient to Allah they enjoy the salah, as the Prophet would ask Bilal to make the adhan so he could seek comfort in the prayer, how the Prophet when something disturbed him would rush to the prayer, how the Prophet would stand the night in prayer until his feet would have blisters because he enjoyed the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you have that level of patience, that level of salah, it is something which increases your iman and allows you to be to remain and keep by Allah's permission steadfast upon this religion. So Allah commands us to do so. And Allah says that it is difficult except for those people who are humble of heart. How do you become humble of heart? Allah tells us in verse number 46, There are those who know that they will meet their Lord and that it is to Him that they will return. They have a firm iman, a firm belief in the Day of Judgment. 
that they will stand before Allah, be resurrected before Him, that they will be held to account, that Allah will question them and judge them for everything that they did in this life. And that is why how often you see the Prophet saying, whosoever believes in Allah and the last day, man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir. How many ahadith is this repeated in? Because the one who truly humbles themselves is the one who knows for certainty that this life is extremely short. You may live for a hundred years or you may live for 50. You may live for 10 or 20. No one knows how many days you have left in this dunya. And how many times do we see people around us passing away suddenly. Someone who's healthy today is struck down by disease tomorrow. Someone who's awake today and living will die in their sleep tonight and not see tomorrow. How often is that the case? And so Allah says the believer knows for certainty that this is their end result. And as a result of that, it increases them in, hu- in humility, in humbleness, in wanting to turn to Allah in worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the last two verses on this page, Allah then reminds Bani Israel once again of his favors and he says in verse number 47, O children of Israel, remember how I blessed you and favored you over other people. Allah favored Bani Israel. And he favored them by sending to them many, many messengers and prophets, by giving to them many divine books and revelations. Allah helped them and, and protected them, such as in the story of Musa and Pharaoh. Allah aided them and helped them on a number of occasions. Allah reminds them of this, that Allah favored and honored them because they stuck to his message and they stuck to his revelation. But if they turn away from that, if they reject now the Qur'an and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah says in verse number 48, the final verse on this page, Guard yourselves against a day when no soul will stand in place of another. On the day of judgment, no one will take the place of another. No one will bear the sins of another. No one will be held to account for another. Yes, if you did something that allowed or you committed certain sins together, or you did something, or you facilitated sin for others, you have a portion of their sin and so on, yes. But in essence, it is still your sin that you are carrying, and not the sin of others. وَلَا يُقْبَلُ مِنْهَا شَفَاعَةٌ وَلَا يُؤْخَذُ مِنْهَا عَدْلٌ وَلَا هُمْ يُنصَرُونَ And Allah says, no intercession will be accepted on that day. No one will intercede for you unless Allah gives them permission to do so. Allah must allow the one who intercedes to intercede. The one on whose behalf intercession is being made, that that person can have intercession on their behalf. And what intercession is being made for, that must also be approved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, there is no intercession. Your father, your mother, your best friend, your teacher, they can't just intercede because of those relationships. It will only be those that Allah allows. Nor will there be any ransom on that day. You can't purchase your freedom and your salvation on Yawm Al-Qiyamah except through your belief and through your deeds. There's no money, there's no gold, there's no silver. You can't sell off other people or ransom members of your family for your own safety. Nor will they be helped. So Allah tells us, and therefore, tells Bani Israel, and therefore by extension us, that when revelation comes, accept it. Be from the people of salah and patience and humbleness and humility. Don't be from amongst those people who turn away thinking that they will have Allah's mercy or that they are guaranteed 
Allah's mercy on the day of judgment. But remember that Allah will hold each and every single one of us to account. And only those whom Allah allows intercession for will be given intercession. And only those that Allah forgives and blesses with Jannah will be granted Jannah. بارك الله فيكم وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم